Yeah, he definitely just kind of disappears for like most of the season. Right. This episode. <laughs> I kind of feel bad for him. The writers were like, we don't know what to do with this guy. Let's, uh, <laughs> he's going to disappear and come back. Yeah, he definitely just kind of disappears for like most of the season. Right. This episode. <laughs> I kind of feel bad for him. The writers were like, we don't know what to do with this guy. Let's, uh, <laughs> he's going to disappear and come back. Hey everyone, we are back with another episode of the Nerds Inc. podcast. I'm Skylar. And we are back this week. Uh, we do understand that we missed last week, even though, you know, we always end the episode by saying we will see you next week. We did take last week off, uh, as Gary knows. Sometimes it's good to, to take a week off uh, for, for mental health. Take care of yourself, your mind, your body, whatever you need to do. So if occasionally uh, that does happen, just understand that we are going to be right back in your ears as soon as we can. So we appreciate your patience, but we are back, everyone. Gary, my friend, how are you doing this evening? I'm good, man. Uh, sometimes you just gotta, you know, you gotta unwind and let go of all responsibilities and just, you know, take time for yourself. You know, that's exactly. Exactly. Self-care is so important. We preach it all the time with everything that we talk about. So, of course, we're going to be practitioners of what we talk about. We have exactly. to. Um, but, yes, this week we are talking The Bear Season 2 on Hulu. Very excited to jump into this. Um, I've been a fan of this show since it, it dropped Season 1 last year. Um, and, Gary, I know I've been able to kind of turn you on to this show. So you're a newcomer, but you've been able to binge both seasons back to back, right? Yeah, um, I remember when I first saw like some of the trailers and stuff for it. Um, I was like, "Oh man, that looks pretty interesting. I kind of want to see it." I never really got around to watching it uh, until just before season two drops. Uh, you and Anissa kind of just like got me really excited to watch it. So you know, I finally sat down and watched season one, and I really enjoyed it. So I'm excited that we can do this review for season two. Absolutely. Um, yeah, season one uh, came and went so fast. I think what what makes the Bears such a really great binge worthy show is that most episodes, especially in season one, are like half hour, maybe forty minutes tops. Right. So you can binge it really easily. They dropped all the episodes at once, which is really unique because Hulu does not do that. Um, if anyone uh, watches uh, Handmaid's Tale on Hulu, uh, that's a show where they, they might drop like the first two or three episodes, but then it is like a weekly release, like everything else. So I think that's what makes the bear so fresh no pun intended there um but also just with it kind of being a really unique show and that you might get like eight to ten episodes so absolutely um it's a show that you can always go go back and, and rewatch to it i think it has a high rewatchability especially for season one so we'll dive right in gary my friend if we're going to be offering our spoiler free thoughts right so uh the show did premiere uh june 22nd it has been out for a minute now but for those that have not seen it let's go ahead and provide our spoiler free thoughts what were your thoughts overall of season two uh season two was definitely a much more grounded season than season one uh season one to me felt very fast paced, very hectic. Um, and for those of you who may not have worked in the kitchen before, I've worked in a kitchen twice in my life. Um, that's kind of how kitchens work. Um, and, you know, somewhere, somewhere down the line, we're going to have uh, a conversation about that uh, in a little bit more detail. 
but you know the way that season one was paced really felt authentic to how a kitchen works uh, in the real world so with season two being more so about the building from the foundation that they set in season one uh this felt a lot more slower paced uh this was a, a much more character driven season than season one was season one felt more world building than season two and um this was very much more uh an intimate season of building and growing all of the side characters uh based on you know certain episodes and how things transpired and it was really really engaging in that manner and if you left the season not really feeling connected with certain characters i would ask that you go rewatch it because there were so many episodes and so many moments that were like really, really good character models. Absolutely, my friend. And I think before I dive into my spoiler-free thoughts, for those that maybe are listening to this episode and they don't even know what the bear is about, um, which I don't know how you do if you're on any type of social media when this show dropped, it was everywhere. But I do want to just give like a brief synopsis of it. So just a simple tagline for it. Um, it is a young chef from the fine dining world returns to Chicago to run his family sandwich shop. So his family runs an Italian beef shop in downtown Chicago. Um, and so yeah, that's kind of just the basic premise, but it, it has some really great elements of drama and some dark comedy. Uh, it is classified as a comedy, although I definitely feel like it explores a lot more than that yeah. um, throughout the show. I definitely really want to quickly go through kind of our, our lead cast members because it is a great ensemble cast, uh, but it really mostly focuses around uh, Carmen uh, Berzato, also known as Carmi, played by Jeremy Allen White. So for those that are big fans um, of the, the previous show, uh, that Jeremy Allen White has done. Uh, he has done Shameless, yep. And he's also um, been in a film called The Rental. So uh, he's been in Shameless. He, he's, he's, he's been around the Chicago scene for a minute because Shameless was also set in Chicago. So great to see this role for Jeremy Allen White. We also have uh, Eben Moss uh, Bacharach uh, playing uh, Richard or Richie, uh, which is the, the, the best friend of, of uh, Carmi or you know, of the family, I guess you could say, uh, we have Ayo, um, Ebedibri, and I apologize if I butchered her name. Uh, she plays, uh, Sydney. We have Lionel Boyce playing Marcus. We have Lisa Colin Zayas playing Tina. And then we also have, um, Abby Elliott playing Natalie Sugar Berzato, Carmi's sister in it. We of course also have uh, great actors like uh, Edwin Lee Gibson playing uh, Abraham uh, and then Maddie Mathenson playing Neil Fack, uh, kind of the, uh, the annoying friend that's always in the background that's a big friend of the, of the show. <laughs> um, so Honestly, we're going to definitely break down as we go into episode by episode the kind of great cameos that we've seen, especially in season two, um, for sure. Um, as I kind of you know jump into my spoiler-free thoughts, um, I definitely agree with you. I feel like season one was really setting the stage for just how hectic and crazy the kitchen can get, right? Because you have Carmi returning to Chicago. He's been working for uh, different five-star uh, restaurants, and that is what he is trained in. So he's not your average chef. He's not going to just run a kitchen like it's a Burger King, right? He's going to come in there and he's going to make sure that everything from the way that you talk to each other to the way that you move in the kitchen, like everything is hectic, high stakes all the time, but it also has a 
like an organized chaos to it. And that's at least what Carmi is used to. So we saw a lot of that in season one and it just felt very frantic. Um, the writing was crisp. It honestly has some of the best writing that I've seen in TV within the last several years. So if you're a big fan of, you know, good quip writing, great jokes, um, really fast paced uh, dialogue, this is the show for you for sure. And I, I definitely feel like in season two, they kind of dialed that back a bit and they let it breathe. I think that's kind of the best part because with season two, just, you know, once again, a brief spoiler free overview, season two is about them trying to reopen the restaurant. So the restaurant was the Italian beef. Um, and now they're trying to reopen it as more than just that. They want it to be a restaurant that serves kind of multiple different dishes, delicacies. They want to make it high end. And so the entire season takes place with them trying to get this restaurant to reopen uh, under kind of Carmi's regime because it did belong to his parents and then his brother. And so I definitely feel like what we get to see since they're letting it breathe and we're kind of building up to that opening, we get to see these great character episodes uh, where every character gets to shine in this season. Whereas I felt like last season you had great character moments and but they were all together. They were together all the time. It was just yelling throughout the kitchen, you know? So in, in season two, you see them kind of go on their own adventures and kind of do their own thing to kind of perfect their craft. And I think that's what makes this season so special. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you on that. And when we get into each episode breakdown, there's certain episodes where like some of the characters are highlighted that just really does a really good callback to what was set up in season one. And those, Things like that is what I absolutely love about the show when they do. And I love this about any show specifically, but the way that it's done in this, in this show is really real crafted and just really speaks to the writing and the, mm -hmm. the creation of the series and how they're able to take a moment in season two and just call back to something that was kind of set up in season one. I absolutely love that aspect of it. Exactly. So that is kind of our brief overview, spoiler-free thoughts on the season. Um, if you haven't seen season two yet or even season one, there's eight episodes in season one, all 10 episodes of season two. All of it is on Hulu right now. So before you continue with this episode, you can pause it, go watch it. Really, it's it's totally worth a binge and you can do it in a weekend um, if you have nothing else planned and right. then come back and finish it. But now we are going to jump into our spoiler thoughts episode by episode all right gary my friend episode one of season two is titled beef and the brief tagline for it is faced with the reality of opening a new restaurant the crew must take or make a plan what were your thoughts on episode one um episode one i think really set the tone for how the season was going to go because it opened up with marcus i believe um and it was him uh taking care of his mom so like that immediately okay we're not starting in this hectic like the beginning of season one was immediately carmy at the beef and they're like trying to get orders and stuff set and this one was completely total opposite of that um outside of that you know you got to see kind of like the the in and the ins and outs of like what they've been doing in the time between end of season one beginning of season two with like them trying to do the renovation of the restaurant and all of that and you kind of see them more so start to be more of a team you know towards the end of season one 
they were building towards it, but it, what they weren't necessarily a team yet. They were still trying to figure themselves out. But at the beginning of the season two, this first episode, you really get to see, okay, they're starting to become more of a team. And this is where they're actually, by the end of this season, you get to see, okay, everything that they did, even in it, as much as just like renovating the restaurant was team building. And Carmen, mm-hmm. honestly, he was a, a genius in this season and how he handled each and every project that they were uh, attempting to build that team. And so this episode, absolutely amazing in my opinion. and was a really good opening to uh, season two for me. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. I think that this really set the tone. And I mean, for any show, no matter how good it is, you really want that first episode to hit the ground running. I think it did. I think with how season one ended with obviously them kind of finding all of this cash and all of these different, uh, you know, uh, uh, tomato sauce cans. Um, I think that like, like, where do you take it from that? And that they're, they're using that cash to just, you know, revitalize the restaurant, give it what it needs because it is very run down. So I love that they're kind of starting it off with like, okay, we need to figure out how we're going to delegate here. We need to figure out what everybody's role is because now Carmi has insisted that, that Sydney is more of a partner with him in this restaurant. So they're both going to run it together. Um, the fact that they need to develop a menu, like how does that even happen? You know, cause they don't want to just, just be Italian beef anymore. Right. Um, they have made, uh, you know, Natalie or Sugar, Carmi's uh, sister, they've made her the project manager for the entire renovation. Uh, and then also they've had to reach out to their uncle Cicero for that loan. You know, they have to ask him for $500,000 and it's like, you need to be able to turn a profit within what I think like 18 months, I think is what yes. he said. So everything is down to a time crunch. And what I love is that even though each episode like kind of gives its own space and time to breathe, especially with each of these characters, I like that the stakes for the entire season are set right from the get go. Yeah. Yeah. That 18 months was wild. Um, yeah. I, honestly, I had to rewind that whole scene like twice because mm-hmm. I was like, there's no way this man actually said 18 months. And, then, and they only had what, like six to eight weeks to open. Yeah. Right. Or, or I think like 16 weeks or something crazy like yeah, that. 16 yeah. weeks to open because it was like, they were barely in the phase of finishing up the renovations. Cause they, never got all of their certifications done. And then I think mm-hmm. just before that, they also had been told that before they could get any other certifications, they had to um, redo something so that they could rebrand the restaurant as a new, under a new name. And mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, so all this is going to take time. It takes so many months for a lot of these certifications to go through. And I think just before <clears throat> the episode ends, they all even come to the realization that they only technically have a year to try to pull right. a profit because it's the first six months that they're going to be just trying to get set up. Exactly. So to me, that that was like, okay, they're under the bullet with this. Mm-hmm. Moving on to season two, episode two. This episode was titled Pasta. The tagline for it is the crew splits up to work towards their new vision. Now, in this episode, we see that there are construction delays because they discover mold in the ceiling. Um, we see kind of Sydney speaking with her father and her father kind of expressing hesitancy on the fact that she has taken on this endeavor to work with Carmi on opening this restaurant. Um, we also see Tina uh, or 
where Sydney asks Tina to be her sous chef. And so she sends Tina and Ebra to culinary school. So there's a lot going on. And then, of course, we see Carmi reconnect with an old childhood friend, Claire. So, Gary, a lot happened in this episode. What did you think of season uh, two or season two, episode two? Uh, this is honestly one of my favorite episodes. And it's because, and I think I told you this uh, when I finally finished watching season one, but Tina is one of my favorite characters. And it's just because she reminds me of so many people that I've worked with, where it's like they have a drive, they want to do really well, and they want to exceed, but because they've been in a honestly a toxic work environment, they've never been able to see themselves as more than what they are. And so this episode specifically is what I was mentioning earlier about the tie back to season one. Because mm-hmm. at the end, uh, in the middle of season one, we got to see uh, Tina and Sydney kind of form a little bit of a, of, of a connection. <clears throat> um, at first, you know, Tina was, you know, up against Sydney. She was like causing problems, you know, pranking her, things like that. And it was like, okay, like they're going to butt heads. They're not going to get along. And then towards the end of season one, they started to get along a little bit. But then this episode, really established that they have a closer relationship now and that they're going to be a force when this restaurant opens up because you know they are almost like twins in a sense like they're able to kind of talk to each other in a way where Sydney says something and then Tina says something and it's like okay they're on the same page and they're able to kind of go back and forth in that manner and it works really well and so that was one thing I absolutely loved about this episode and then I somewhat got, I don't want to say spoiled, but I kind of got hinted to that there was, uh, that Claire was going to be showing up in this season, uh, before I watched it. And some people were like, I didn't really like her in this season. Um, and when I watched this episode and finished, I was like, I don't understand why people didn't like her because to me, she seemed, at least in this episode specifically, seemed like a really interesting character. And I wanted to get to know more, especially see Mm -hmm. how her and Carmi kind of, interact and see if there was anything that goes on with her. so uh those things to me were really uh intriguing um but i was kind of heartbroken by uh ibra's actions uh in this towards the end of this episode yeah he definitely just kind of disappears for like most of the season right <laughs> <after> this episode <laughs> I kind of feel bad for him. The writers were like, we don't know what to do with this guy. Let's uh <laughs> he's gonna disappear and come back. You right. know? Yeah. Um, agreed. So no, I, I love this episode also kind of it setting up that whole relationship that's going to develop between Claire and Carmi. So Claire got a shout out Molly Gordon, who plays Claire. Um, Molly is, has been doing a few things here or there. I know she just had the movie theater camp come out, which she also helped direct. So you can definitely catch her in that film. But honestly, I didn't know anything about Molly Gordon until I saw her in season two. And I love this actress. I think she's brilliant. She definitely has that whole like girl next door look so i completely understand why they cast her in this yeah and i I agree with you i think i saw a lot of hate 
for her character and some comment sections online where people were saying, Oh, she was just a plot device. You know, she was just a romantic interest, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, but like, sometimes you need a romantic interest. You need that whole tension of love and relationship versus work um, in everything. Right. So I think this, what was so great about her character is like the side of Carmi that she kind of brings out Mm -hmm. Um, that Carmi always saw in season one was how like stressed he is. And like his brother just committed suicide. He has inherited this restaurant. He's trying to run it. And so poor Carmi is just like under stress, like nonstop all the time, 24 seven. And then on top of that, he's going to like these weekly, you know, therapy group meetings. So I think that like, Claire's character like what she was able to do with Carmi aside from just the relationship just like the side of of him that that she brought out starting in this episode was great I love that he kind of gives her like that fake phone number and like which is like something you don't usually see right normally it's the woman giving the guy that the fake phone number so I thought that was kind of an interesting twist but I mean she was just into him right from the start and I just I love that whole scene of like them leaning up against the coolers and like this like you know uh like 7-Eleven basically right and like the entire time it's just focused on their faces their eyes the reaction shots you know we've talked about and then you can just kind of see like the neon in the background with the lighting so the cinematography I mean you guys know I love cinematography Uh, The cinematography in this show, specifically in like episode one, and then it just establishes itself throughout. It does great shots of the city, really great uh, landscape shots um, all over the place. They definitely use a lot of cool drone footage. But then just when there's these great character scene moments, it really zooms in close. And so you get to see every subtle reaction. So, um, yeah, I like this episode a lot. Um, I think especially I thought what was really interesting to see is you know we see these these well-established characters like tina um like you said kind of come into her own and you do see like i feel like this season what's so great is that it really it is giving everybody their flowers from season one you know like tina went through so much uh working at that that you know italian beef restaurant and now she's getting to to go to culinary school to become a sous chef you see sydney you know kind of approach carmy in season one to be a partner with him he didn't look at her as a partner until the end of the season now she's over here you know, trying to defend that point to her dad. And I love that whole scene with her and her dad having, having mm-hmm. dinner or lunch, you know, discussing it. So I thought this was a great episode for sure. Just to kind of start to establish these relationships as well. Yeah, I definitely agree. I want to go back to something because I was just thinking about this and it was something I thought about when I watched the episode, but is it just me or did the actor, did the two actors uh, who played uh, Carmi and Claire, did they actually seem to have real chemistry in this episode or is it just me? No, absolutely. And, you know, that doesn't always happen for sure. Sometimes no, actors can have no chemistry. Um, you know, at least maybe they don't have any chemistry when the camera's out rolling and then they say right. action and then bam, they have chemistry. So it's definitely something that can be developed. But I absolutely think that Molly Gordon and Jeremy Allen White had excellent chemistry throughout the season. For sure. Definitely. Which is like, once again, it can't be understated enough because there are movies and TV shows that come out all the time where the love interests look like they, it's just like a paper relationship. It doesn't even feel real. Exactly. And that's, that's whereas like this relationship, this relationship, you're like, oh my God, I feel like I'm back in high school watching my first love again. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So. Moving on to episode three of season two, this episode was titled Sunday. And so kind of a little bit more about the episode. Uh, we have uh, Carmi, of course, still attending the AI Anon meetings. Um, he's kind of discussing his, his, you know, 
his battle that's starting to develop in him where he, he wants to be able to enjoy himself, but he's also focused on work. We have Sydney preparing the menu and Carmi kind of sends her off on a mission to go throughout the, the, the city. And she's stopping at these different uh, great cuisine spots throughout Chicago to try their food in the hopes of developing kind of a taste palette for the menu that they want to build. And then we also have Carmi kind of playing a little bit of hooky. He says he's going to join Sydney, but then he ends up just kind of ditching her to spend time with Claire because she kind of tracks him down. And then, yeah. So, uh, Gary, what were your thoughts on episode three? Uh, episode three, in my opinion, was the very first character-driven episode. Um, with this being mainly focused on Sydney. And I have to say, um, the character of Sydney, I went through a roller coaster with. Um, at the beginning of season one, I was like, okay, I like Sydney. Like, she's she's solid. She's a great character. Then, like, midway through season one, like, episodes, like, five, six, and seven, I was like, yeah, I'm not feeling Sydney right now. Like, she's kind of annoying. But um, by the end of season one, uh, that last episode, I was like, okay, she's okay. This episode, especially after what happened in the previous episode with, you know, her and her dad connecting, and I think in this episode, we got the see or hear about what happened with her mom i felt like this made gave us a bit more of a connection with her um and got to see where her passion comes from and we got to see a lot of character development so uh, i like this episode not one of my favorites but it was a really good episode Right. Yeah, yeah, same. I think this was probably one of the weaker episodes of an overall, you know, great season. Um, but I definitely think I, I what I love the most about this were obviously all of the the shops that, that Sydney was visiting because I am someone who does live in Chicago, so like I recognized all of these these restaurants that, that Sydney was visiting and going to because Chicago is known for its mom and pop shops. We don't have uh we have chains here, but really it's all about, you know, that the family owned restaurants here. So there's so much good cuisine throughout the city. It's what Chicago is partly known for, known for is its food. So just to see her visiting all of these spots, trying pizza, trying meat, she goes to a deli, um, she goes to you know Jewish bakeries, and she's doing all of this kind of exploratory research for her menu that she wants to craft. And I absolutely love it. So those shots and, and kind of moments where, I mean, just imagine like, your job for multiple days in a row is just going to different restaurants to right. eat food. Like that, that sounds like a great job, you know? So I, I love that. And then I did love kind of Carmi and, and Claire kind of sneaking away and doing, doing their own thing. And I think, you know, that's when uh, uh, Claire invites him to the party where like there's people just shooting fireworks in the backyard. And once again, as someone who lives in Chicago, this was all accurate because people love to shoot their fireworks here. Like it could be, you know, September 5th and someone shooting their fireworks out in their backyard. Like it does not matter. It doesn't have to be a holiday. So I thought that was super accurate. So once again, as a, a Chicagoan, I loved, you know, the sequences in this show and maybe call me a little bit of bias, but there was some nostalgia there. Um, but I think this was, you know, kind of a great subtle, you know, um, character driven episode for sure. Yeah, definitely. Moving on to episode four. We have Honeydew. So a lot happens in this episode. Got to talk about Honeydew. Uh, takes place two months before the planned opening. Uh, we have um, uh, Carmi learning that his sister Natalie is pregnant. So Richie and Fat continue to lead construction efforts, but you know obviously things aren't going that great. Sydney is starting to uh, screen uh, new employees, and then we flash to Marcus, who has been tasked with developing unique desserts. 
for the new restaurant. So he temporarily uh, leaves while his mother, of course, is sick in Chicago. He goes to Copenhagen in Denmark to learn from Luca, played by none other than Will Poulter himself making yes. a cameo, who's a skilled pastry, uh, skilled pastry chef. Gary, what were your thoughts on episode four? Uh, I love this episode. This is probably top three episode for me. Uh, Marcus is one of my favorite characters. Like from the jump, just seeing his growth throughout season one and then seeing what they did with him in this season, uh, especially this episode and seeing him interact with Will Poulter and that connection that they had was really great. Um, and then just kind of seeing anytime that you get to see someone light up from their passion, it just makes you a little bit more excited. But for me, it was really cool because you get to see someone who in season one, he talked about how he worked at a McDonald's and he thought that basically that was all he was going to do until he found out about you know, this, this place and he started working at the, doing the desserts and stuff. And he got to this point where he's just like really excited and really passionate about making desserts. That really got me excited. That really made me more interested in his character and seeing, especially starting out the season with him, you know, taking care of his mom and then doing this and going to that next next step of, you know, really going out of his comfort zone and going to a whole different country to uh, learn about different uh, desserts and things of that nature was really amazing. But I think the worst kept secret was uh, Sugar being pregnant <laughs> because that was evident from episode one. But I think, uh, I want to say in the middle of this episode, they show her, like, sitting by a toilet, like, just exhausted from throwing up. And like that. that was honestly a great way to kind of really foreshadow that she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, honestly, I got to give all of my flowers uh, to the actor who plays uh, Marcus. That's Lionel Boyce. Um, really, like, even though, yeah, we, we got to see some more of what was going on with the restaurant itself. Like, to me, I didn't care about any of that. Like, all I wanted to see was Lionel Boyce's Marcus in Copenhagen in Denmark because every time it was flashing to those scenes and he was working with Chef Luca, played by Will Poulter, um, I just, I loved it. I honestly thought that they could have, I mean, you could have made a whole spinoff series yeah. with just Marcus. Marcus in Denmark, and I, I would have been here for it. The, the vibes were immaculate. Um, they actually filmed on location in Copenhagen, and you yes, could tell yes. I am someone who I've, I've personally been to Copenhagen, Denmark before. And Denmark in general is a beautiful country. Copenhagen is gorgeous. And to see kind of all the colorful buildings, you know, all, all of the, the locales. I mean, it's a very historic city. It's thousands of years old. So um, it was just amazing. And honestly, I gotta, I'm going to step on my soapbox just for a second. You know, I think Will Poulter has gotten some unnecessary hate. Now, most recently, he's played Adam Warlock, right, in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And Gary, I know you have some thoughts on that character. But me personally, I've seen Will Poulter all the way since The Maze Runner. He was in We the Millers. He played a, a dirty cop in Detroit. You know, he's done these these films where he's either been playing a doofus or he's always been a bad guy. So this... I didn't really know what to expect. I knew he was going to be in this episode or he was going to be in an, an A episode. That part was spoiled for me, but I didn't know 
like how much I would learn to like his character and like his moments with Marcus yeah. were such genuine heartfelt moments like i just like like i wanted to be in that kitchen with them like Same. learning that the secrets of the trade learning how to make desserts like he was so patient with marcus he was kind to marcus um i think it, it completely was a, a whole 180 to when carmy first showed up in season one he's, right. he's not being nice to him at all right. and i think will polter's uh, chef luca was so like genuine and thoughtful with Marcus's character. And I, I loved like their, their bond and relationship. And you could tell like these actors probably, you know, got to do maybe a few days of actual filming together, but it was just a great moment. Also got to shout out the highlight of the episode to me that literally brought tears to my eyes. And I don't really know why maybe it was because it was so genuine, but was the moment when Marcus is, is returning to his little houseboat that he's staying on while he's in Copenhagen and he sees a Danish man trapped underneath a fence. Yeah. And he, he, he lifts the fence to free the guy. Cause he's like, he's shouting, he's like, help, help. And in Danish and he frees the man and the man just stands up gives Marcus a big hug and he hugs him for like a good 20, 30 seconds. Like it's a long hug of like, thank you. You saved my life. No one else was there. And then he releases him and like pats him on the head and like walks away. <laughs> and I just remember thinking like for Marcus being an American, a Chicagoan, you're in a new city in a new country. Yeah. Um, you know, you're also a person of color in a, honestly, a city in a country that's primarily white. I can only imagine what that must've been like for him. But then to like have like such a genuine moment with someone that didn't seem to speak the same language as him. But at the same time, it was such a genuine moment of thanks that right. I feel like it took Marcus by surprise. And I think it took the audience by surprise for people that don't know how Danish people are. And so I loved it. It was a highlight. Definitely. Like you said, a top three episode for sure. And that moment alone was amazing. Yeah. Um, and just on that specific uh, moment, it caught me by surprise because a lesser show would have gone in a different, a completely different way. It would have been, Oh, Marcus helped him. And this is what I expected. Marcus helped the guy. And then the police show up and Marcus gets arrested. And then, you know, something completely different. And it adds unnecessary drama to the show that didn't need to right. be there. Um, so exactly. I was so grateful and so happy to see that it didn't go that route. And again, it just goes to show how much care the creators and the writers have for not only just this show, but each character individually. Agreed. Agreed. And, and like, you just, I feel like you don't see enough heartfelt moments like that in TV. You see it in right. film all the time, but you don't really see it in, in TV. And I love that for Marcus's character in the show. Exactly. Episode five. This one was called pop. So that the tagline for it is the renovations gets off track. So in episode five, we have uh, Sydney continuing to develop the menu with the help of Tina. Uh, so Tina's thriving in culinary school. Um, this is where we have uh, Natalie convincing Cicero to expedite the permit applications because they really need those permits in order to open. We have Claire accompanying Carmi to drop off some uh, a liquor license application. Um, and then they have a bonding moment in the car. And then, oh no, so this was the episode where she convinces him to go to the party. That's right. Okay. Uh, and then they go to uh, the party in this episode. So after the party, that's where Carmi takes Claire back to the restaurant to actually show her what he is building. So, Gary, what were your thoughts on episode five? Um, so I want to want to make sure I'm I'm right before I go into this. This episode was when they had the uh, the fire test, right? 
where they had to check to make sure that the price of pressing or is that not yet not yet that comes later okay so uh this episode probably one of the least memorable episodes for me uh, it wasn't a bad <laughs> episode uh but outside of that party scene uh and like some some moments with claire uh, not much of this is too memorable i think there was a part where like the roof falls on uh richie and jack <laughs> But, uh, yeah, this episode wasn't too memorable. I think this was more one of those uh, world-building episodes uh, mm-hmm. that they, they threw in. And, it wasn't again, it wasn't bad. It's just not that memorable to me. Right. Well, no, especially when, like, you know, we talked about the last episode, Honeydew being a top three episode. Right. This uh, this season is packed with some really heavy hitter of episodes. And this, this episode just happened to be sandwiched in, like, all the heavy hitters. <laughs> so, agreed. Yeah, I, I definitely think aside from kind of more of the relationship building between Claire and Carmi, this was largely a forgettable episode. Although we love to see Tina win. I know Tina had some wins. That's facts. Nice. Uh, moving on to episode six. Now this was a heavy hitter. Episode six titled Fishes. And I gotta like honestly go down the list of the cameos in this episode, people. All right. So of course we have Oliver Platt playing Uncle Jimmy, which, um, he, he plays Uncle Jimmy Cicero. We got a shout out to uh, Oliver Platt because Oliver Platt is also a huge Chicagoan based actor. Um, he's done like all the, the Dick Wolf uh, Chicago shows like Chicago PD, Chicago Med. So Oliver Platt, shout out to him. He is uh, a guy that lives in Chicago and does a lot of the work here. Nice. Um, but in this episode, we have John Mulaney playing Stevie. We have Sarah Polson playing cousin Michelle. We have Jamie Lee Curtis in this episode playing Donna Berzada, the mother of Carmi and Natalie. And then we also have Bob Odenkirk playing uncle Lee. So this episode tagline is flashback to an intense and heated Christmas dinner in the Berzado family. We also see John Bernthal reprise his role as uh, the brother. And I'm looking for that name. I think it's Michael, right? <laughs> Yeah, he plays Mike uh, Mikey Berzato. It was John Berthnall's character. He was also in season one in some flashback scenes. But this scene, this whole episode takes place five years uh, before the events of season two. And it is just pure chaos. It shows the Berzato family. Really, the entire episode takes place in their house for Christmas dinner. So, Gary, so much happened in this episode. What did you think? Um, after this episode, I had to take a break and pop a Zan <laughs> because I was, my anxiety was through the roof. Um, at the end when, um, Donna runs the car through the house, I'm just like, okay, I didn't think anything else could get, you know, worse, but you know, there's a car in the kitchen. <laughs> um, but it was nice seeing John Bernthal's character come back because I I really liked his character uh, in the flashbacks that we got in season one. Uh, and kind of just seeing those different heart-to-heart moments he had with Richie and then heart-to-heart moments he had with Carmi was really good. Um, I think they have really good chemistry overall. And that's what I, I really want to highlight that. Like, I feel like this show does really well with getting actors who can work well with each other. Because I can't really point to any specific scene or any specific moment where it's like, okay, these two, they're probably phoning in. They're just like going through emotions. I, I can't point to anything like that. Um, but yeah, like this episode, it was really hectic, really chaotic. 
Uh, again, my anxiety was through the roof. It was hard for me to even like finish the rest of the season. I had to take a break and watch the rest <laughs> the next day because it was just so much chaos. Absolutely. Um, no, I agree with you. I think what the bear and the creators and the writers do such a great job. Obviously, I know the writers don't have a say in, in who is cast always, but the fact that they brought in all these huge name actors and comedians for this episode, I think shows a lot. I think what's interesting is like you said, each of these actors, Bob Odenkirk, Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, John Mulaney, uh, Sarah Paulson, all of these actors, while they are big names, yes. And they're household names and people will recognize them at the same time. They're great ensemble group working actors. They're not like, it's not like a Brad Pitt who's going to come in and like steal the show or like a Leo DiCaprio, even who would come in and steal the show. Like these are well-known actors who are known to work well within groups. Yep. You know, obviously Bob Odenkirk was a supporting character in Breaking Bad, but his character got a spinoff show of Better Call Saul. So um, the, all of these actors, even Jamie Lee Curtis, just winning her first Oscar for everything everywhere all at once. Like all of these actors definitely have gotten their flowers over the years, but to see them all packed into this crazed family of the Berzato family, right for this one episode I think was like probably one of the, the most heavy hitting cameo episodes of a show I've ever seen. And at the same time, it didn't really deter from the plot, which I thought was really interesting because a lot of the times, if you see like a lot of cameos, like especially with comedies, right? If you see cameos, you're like, Oh look, it's, you know, Channing Tatum playing a weird character. I, I think of like the movie free guy, you know, where there's yeah. so many cameos in free guy and it's like, Oh, it's Chris Evans. Oh, it's this person. Oh, it's that right. person. But like this episode, the cameos while like at first you're like, Oh my God, it's Sarah Paulson. But then you're pulled into her character in the episode. And I, I think that this episode is a huge shout out uh, to mental health, uh, honestly, and and, yeah. and the importance of it, because I think this showcases anyone who's ever been to like a really big Thanksgiving dinner or a really big July 4th celebration or birthday dinner or Christmas dinner, like in this episode, anyone that's ever been a part of some type of big family gathering, it might not have gone as crazy as this family went. But you've seen some stuff, right? You, you've you heard some people yelling. People have gotten into arguments. You know, you got people kind of attacking other people. And it just gets kind of crazy and it's hectic. And like you said, like you kind of need to pop a Zan after because you're overstimulated the entire time. You're just overstimulated. And so you need to take a break. But what I think the best part that this episode showcases is where Carmi and even Natalie, like where they're getting their stressors from, what are their triggers? You see it all in this episode. Like they never need to talk about it again, because if you watch this episode, you're like, I know why they're messed up. Right. I get it. <laughs> like the mom is in the kitchen, screaming, cussing, drinking. Uh, every time someone goes in to try to help her, she yells at him to get out. It's a whole thing. And Carmi and Natalie are generally trying to help their mother in the kitchen. And she's just like wants to drink and get drunk and she's miserable. And she feels like people don't appreciate her. And it's like, right. girl, the entire time people are trying to appreciate you. <laughs> um, and I think that's what was so crazy is that like me personally, like I've been a part of family gatherings like that. And it, it's, it's a, it's a, I think across generational lines, cultural lines, racial lines that like you see stuff like this. And so I thought it was a great, I mean, a top tier, excellent character building episode. I think this episode alone, everybody in this episode needs to be nominated for an Emmy. Every single person in this episode. Um, shout out to John Bernthal when he's throwing the forks at Bob sure. Odenkirk's character. <laughs> and there's that moment where he's like, throw that fork one more time. And the car comes through the house. 
and he throws the freaking fork. <laughs> it's like, you know what? Mom just drove the car through the wall, but this fork is more important, and I'm going to show you how pissed off I am. <laughs> you know, it's like he was wait he was waiting for stuff to pop off, and then he was throwing the fork. So, no, like it was just pure chaos and, and craziness. But there was a lot of sentimentality to it, uh, specifically with Richie's character um, and his 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 wife at the time. So, um, also notable shout out. I got to give her a shout out because she is from Community. For those that are familiar, Jillian Jacobs plays Tiffany, um, which is Richie's wife in this episode and his baby mama. Uh, but Jillian Jacobs from Community. For those that are fans of that show, um, so many cameos, so many, and it was a great episode. This to me was the greatest episode of the season. Yeah, uh, I can understand why you would say that. I can't argue against it. Honestly. I feel like from beginning to end, it was really engaging. Um, and something I really want to really highlight is something that you said about this being a really good character-driven episode. Because you got to really see the development of Sugar and Carmi in this episode. Although it was a flashback, you got to see the development. Because you got to see Sugar as this person that truly like thrives and craves the attention and affection of her mother and then you get to see Carmi who's this severely detached person and towards the end of the season you kind of get to see how that comes back to kind of hurt them so mm-hmm. this was a really great to me this was a great pivot in the season and also can we talk about real quick with how excellent Jamie Lee Curtis's Donna was <laughs> Like she just won an Oscar last year or this past spring. Is she about to win an Emmy and like go Oscar Emmy back to back? Cause it might happen. Right. Honestly, it seems like it. (laughs) So good. She was so good in that episode. Um, (laughs) Moving on to another heavy hitter. Love this episode. This to me is my second favorite episode of the season. And this is episode seven titled forks. So we had fishes, which was episode six. I don't know if I mentioned that title. And now we got forks. So it's always some type of food dish or utensil in these episode titles. And with forks, this is uh, the tagline for it is Richie Stages. So in this episode, really all about Richie and his relationships. Uh, So Richie is sent by Carmi to the high-end restaurant called Ever, which is an upscale dining restaurant. Uh, and he's going there for a week uh, of education so that he can learn how to be front of house staff. But really, uh, he kind of runs into some um, uh, some mundane tasks because for the longest time, he's just in the back cleaning forks until he learns what it means to provide excellent uh, um, hospitality and customer service at the front of house. Gary, what do you think of this episode? Um, this is honestly my... You're probably going to hate me for this. This is my favorite episode. Um, no, I, I really don't hate love it. this episode because Richie was one of the characters that I was like, okay, I like him, but he is severely flawed. And then this episode really deconstructed that flaw. And yes. they really worked to build not only Richie up, but to really work, they really worked to try to build the relationship between him and Carmen Becca. And they did that in a way that worked really, really well for me because they made it seem like uh, Carmi sent Richie to that restaurant to humiliate him. But they actually 
he actually did it because he had such high respect for Richie. And for once Richie realized that and figured out, oh, this is why I'm here. And to see him go from hating cleaning forks to essentially being uh, an expediter, that was absolutely beautiful to me, and I absolutely loved it. And I love that development. And then not only that, but also to see him grow. And I think this episode, he also had to deal with um, his ex telling him that she's about to get married. And to Mm -hmm. see that pain in him and then him really just use that kind of as fuel to grow. And I loved it. Honestly, I loved every minute of this episode. I can definitely see why. And I mean, like I said, it's a top two episode for me. So I get why you would choose it as your number one episode. Yeah, I agree. I think that Richie before this episode, he was always kind of like that really unlikable, just annoying character in the background where, you know, especially in season one, you saw how much of an ass he could be. But in this episode, um, it was like a full character arc episode in one episode, which is crazy. Like you really see his entire growth, you know, the kind of the sadness that he goes through with his daughter and, and now his ex-wife who is about to get remarried, like you pointed out. Um, and you see that full growth. And in the span of an episode, which kind of takes place over that week, because he's only at, at ever for a week, right. and yet he completely changes into a new person for the better. So, yeah, um, I, I love how it kind of starts out as like boot camp, where he's up at five a.m. every day. He's going to that restaurant and to to you know scrub forks and make sure they're dry from the dishwasher. And then he slowly works his way to move to shadow front of house of the restaurant. And he gets to see what his excellent customer service look like. Okay. And this restaurant, we're so high end. We don't talk to each other on the floor. We got to pass <laughs> notes back and forth. Um, you know, when the chef speaks, you shut up, you listen, you, you kind of do that prep work and you see how elite restaurants operate in this episode, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, for Richie's character to like really understand his pain points, and to really see how quickly he's accepted by the staff here. Like you could tell like the staff kind of become more familial to him mm-hmm. than even, you know, Carmi and, and Sydney are. Yeah. So I feel like he, he kind of feels like he belongs. He feels like, I feel like for Richie's character, he really needed that sense of purpose. Yes. Like, Oh, Oh, I'm not annoying here. I can actually be of service. I can help these people. Right. And he learns that through an act of service, which is learning how to be front of house. <laughs> Which is crazy. It's like a crazy mind work, but I love the character development in this episode for Richie is like this episode alone is why um Eben Moss is going to be nominated for an Emmy is this episode. It was so powerful for him. Um also shout out to any Swifty fans because uh, you know, uh, they, they played some Taylor Swift throughout this yes, episode that I'm not a I'm not a huge Swifty, but I thought it fit the episode perfectly and I was sitting there just singing <laughs> along with it. Uh, I, I was pulling for it. So, um, yeah, no, it was, it was so great. Um, I think that, that this episode solidified Richie as a top character, a lovable character, a character that is worthy of redemption, which how often do we get to say that, that a character can be so unlikable for a season and a half and then come in and after, at the end of this episode, you love him. Right. You love exactly. Him. And one other thing I want to point out to, um, and then we can move forward. But this episode really set up what's going to happen in the last episode. And I didn't yes. see it coming until it happened. And I love that it happened. Yeah. Agreed. And I can't wait for you to talk about that. <laughs> Moving on to episode eight. This episode was titled Bolognese. 
The tagline for it was, the crew awaits a do-or-die fire suppression test. So this is the fire suppression test episode. Um, we also have uh, Richie coming back, and now he's all suited up because he only wears suits now, uh, now that he knows how to be a little bougie. Uh, we have Marcus. Uh, Marcus returns uh, from Copenhagen in this episode with his dessert menu uh, ideas. And then we have a great um, – you know, Richie Natalie moment because not only is Richie back in a black suit, but he's also here to right some wrongs. And then we also find out that FAC is the reason that this fire suppression test hasn't been going well until it does. Gary, what do you think of this episode? I love this episode. Um, top five episode for sure. Um, this episode, Ebra comes back too, right? Uh, I believe I it's either this one or this episode. I think it's the next one. Yeah. Okay. So this one was really good because this one, the stakes was set from the beginning. They have mm -hmm. to pass the fire suppression test. They don't mm -hmm. pass the fire suppression test. They're not able to open. Mm -hmm. um, and then, like you mentioned, like fact was the reason why, because it was just something super simple. And it was, and actually it was all because of the fact that he was missing something super simple. Because Mikey had set up the place to burn down in case he just wanted to get the money. Um, so when that clicked for fact, I was like, okay, I can, I can come down now. I'm not, I don't have to be anxious anymore. Uh, that, I think that's kind of like the, the theme of this season, honestly, anxiety. Um, because yeah. like a lot of episodes, it's just like you're sitting on the edge of your seat, like, okay, what's about to happen? Uh, exactly. but yeah, I love this, this episode mainly just because I love, the stakes and the the tension that they build off of a fire suppression test. I mean, how mm. many shows can you say <laughs> is going to be able to say, oh, you know, a simple routine test that, you know, you just put the balloon on the on the the pipe and the, hopefully the it doesn't light, yeah. blow up and you know, yeah. And that's going yeah. to cause, you know, the episode to really progress and move forward the season. Honestly, that again, top five episode, and it's not number five. Uh, <laughs> I love this episode, honestly. It was so much fun. No, agreed. Like, I think that says something. Shout out to every writer that has worked on The Bear because that says so much to the writing and the quality mm -hmm. of the writing as well as the actors to be able to make an audience who might have no knowledge of working in a kitchen and then like a fire suppression test has you on the edge of your seat. You know, like that's, that shows how amazing and, and how well written this show is. So I definitely agree. I think the tensions and the, the, the stakes of kind of like what has to pass, like the entire season could have ended right here and now if they don't pass yeah. that fire suppression test. Cause if, if, you know, you know, the fire marshal comes in and says, Hey, this place, you know, can burn down in an instant, then yeah, your restaurant can't open so i'm sure that's not just a chicago thing that would apply to any restaurant across the country and the world so um yeah no great episode um i i, I've, I always love like the moments with fact because um that actor is is so great <laughs> he's unapologetically himself and i kind of love like those moments like he was in uh the episode fishes where it's the christmas dinner and his moments with like that other <laughs> friend of his and they're they're talking about like get rich quick schemes so fact's character was great um and yeah like the tension in this episode was like wow yeah that's absolutely. crazy moving on we got two more episodes into episode nine this episode was titled omelet 
And so this is the final preparations are made for the bear's first service to go in a little bit more detail. Uh, so they're preparing for their soft opening, which is going to be for friends and family only. And so uh, Sydney is feeling the need to impress her father uh, and Carmi begins to second guess um, uh, how he was well, actually it's Carmi begins to second guess the plans and forgets to have a handle for the walk-in freezer replaced. And then we also have uh, Natalie informing Carmi that she has invited their mother. So Donna's going to make a comeback. And then uh, Carmi begins to apologize to Sydney for his lack of focus in being with Claire. So we kind of see Carmi begin to maybe question his relationship with Claire. Gary, what do you think of this episode? Um, so this episode really rings true to anyone that is starting a venture for the first time, especially when they're doing it somewhat solo um, and they're not already committed in a relationship because it really makes you question any and everything outside of what your main goal is. You know, it makes you wonder like, okay, is this relationship a distraction? Is, you know, me just taking time out of my day to spend time with someone that I really care about causing me to fall behind on what needs to be done for the business. And, you know, it's really understandable for how Carmi felt in this episode. But this episode was a really, really, really good foreshadow for everything that was going to happen in episode 10 um, mm -hmm. and how everything was going to go down. Um, I really liked the heart-to-heart -heart that Carmi had with Sydney under the table. Um, I felt like that really set the stage for what should happen in season three. And I know we're going to kind of talk about that a little bit uh, later, but I feel like that really set the stage for what should happen in season three. Um, and I think we also got to see um, some of the new hires that they were going to bring in towards yeah. the beginning of episode 10 as well, which is interesting. Uh, hopefully we get to see a little bit more of them going forward as well. Yeah, they started doing the interviews for front of house staff. Yeah, um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that this episode really it was kind of like a prerequisite to episode ten. Of course, it really set the stage for that finale um, with kind of that that tension slowly building. They're foreshadowing, obviously, with the the refrigerator. They're foreshadowing with you know what's going to happen between Claire and Carmi. And so, yeah, like I. After I saw this episode, I'm like, okay, I got to just go ahead and watch episode 10 because it's set up episode 10 perfectly. And so let's jump into <laughs> the final episode of season two, which was episode 10. This was titled The Bear. And so this is the friends and family night at The Bear. So pure chaos in this episode as well. But this is them essentially opening their restaurant for the first time for friends and family to attend. Uh, you kind of have everybody, uh, all the who's who people show up. Uh, but more notably, we have kind of Donna, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character does make a brief appearance that uh, Carmi and, and Sugar do not get to see, but it does happen. Uh, Gary, what did you think of episode 10? Um, to me, episode 10 felt less like a season finale and more like a series finale, just in how it ended. But they left it open enough to where a season three would make sense. And I say that because they ended it with them officially being designated with the restaurant as the bear. And essentially the only real cliffhangers or loose ends that really need to be tied up is how does Carmi get Claire back? 
Um, and I would say uh, Donna is another loose end that we need to have tied up because, like, yeah, she came and uh, I think she talked with Sugar's husband um, and kind of left. But I feel like there's more that needs to be explored, especially because if I'm remembering correctly, did Sugar find out that Donna actually came or did he lie? I believe he lied. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Um, outside of that, though, I, the one thing that I absolutely loved, uh, and we talked about this when we talked about Forks, but Richie's character foreshadowing him being the expediter in this episode, I did not see coming. And I should have. But I didn't. And I loved it because <laughs> when it got to the point where everything was going crazy, they were behind the orders. Richie was like, you know, we're, we need to take care of these people. What's going on? I was like, put Richie at Expo, at Expo. Let him do it and it'll work smoothly. And when they finally did it and I saw that look in his face and he just kind of gave that little grin, I was ecstatic. I loved it. It was absolutely beautiful. Um, and then, you know, just kind of seeing how they interacted, especially seeing, honestly, seeing Fack as a front of house person and like taking orders and trying to read people's minds. And then uh, <laughs> towards the end when uh, I think he gives uh, Uncle Cicero the, the candy, uh, the chocolate candy. Absolutely heart touching moment. I loved it. This episode. I think this is number five for me. This is a episode. This is top five for me for sure. Agreed. So much happens in this episode. For me, though, I, I mean, maybe this is just the romantic in me. I was focused on Carmi and what was going to happen between him and Claire. Because once again, the, the entire foreshadowing leading up to this was, it seems like, you know, Carmi, as we've known from season one, he is a workaholic. All he cares about is being a chef, running things. He doesn't like, it's kind of funny because Jeremy Allen White's character is like super jacked. So you're like, I feel like the real Carmi wouldn't even go to the gym because he doesn't have time. Like, he's like, I'm just at work all the time so you know he's all tatted up he's he's super jacked and i'm like yeah okay dude you go to the gym really the guy that stresses about a fire safety test come on um so it's just he's he's a workaholic that's all he cares about so i think that's been the great part about claire's character is that she has in a way been kind of like a plot you know mover as far as like getting him to care about things more than just that in realizing that he is a human being capable of love and i personally have you know i don't know really what that experience is like that he is stuck between choosing work or over someone he loves because me personally it has to go hand in hand like if if i if you love somebody but you're also passionate about your work like you can definitely find a way to make both work and i feel like carmy because of his past and what he's been through with his family he doesn't know that that's possible and to him it's one or the other and so i think you know just that whole moment of when he's locked in the refrigerator and he's he's like you know, shouting orders and like what to do. And he's freaking out because this is the essentially a soft opening for your restaurant and you're not there to help. And he's locked in the refrigerator, but it's that whole moment where he's like saying, Oh, I don't know. I think maybe this is a mistake. Maybe I shouldn't be with her. She's a distraction. And then she hears everything through the door. And as soon as he started kind of confessing all of this about her, I'm like, she's going to hear it. She's going to hear it. She's going to hear it. And then what happened? Claire hears it through the refrigerator door. And it was such a, 
a really heartbreaking moment. And then for me also, like the, the thing that just shattered me completely was that he plays that voicemail that she left him earlier Oh man! and she's confessing her love for him through the voicemail. And he realizes what a mistake it was to say it because he didn't really mean to say it. Yeah. And then honestly, for me, talk about a, just a great character moment for Richie, as we've already discussed, but Richie comes through. He's like, Hey, what did you say to that girl? Because she yeah. leaves crying. And he's like, what did you just say to her, dude? Like yeah. you're, you're a douche. Like, why would you say that? And I love that Richie was calling Carmi out on his BS. Yeah. And I thought that was great because, I think for Richie too, like Richie knows what it's like to lose the woman that he loves. Mm -hmm. Richie knows what it's like to have the woman that you love walk out on you. And so I feel like that was such a great also kind of redemption moment for Richie to be like, no, dude, like you have someone great. This girl loves you. Why did you just mess that up? Um, And then honestly, the moment between uh, Donna and then um, Sugar's uh, uh, husband, which I got to get his name pulled up here. It was honestly just great. Um, I, I like, I really wasn't expecting to kind of see everything that we saw from that, just at that little moment on the street. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, this was, uh, Pete's character. Of course, his name is just Pete. Yeah. Pete (laughs) played by, uh, Chris, uh, Wittisek. Um, I've seen him in other stuff, but this was such a great, like when he broke down in tears, when he's like trying to talk to sugar afterwards, I'm like, this is a great character actor. And he's in, he's only in a handful of scenes throughout the season, but he's great. Um, that scene with Donna was powerful. You could tell that it's like, she doesn't know how to be a mom. She doesn't know how to be there for her kids on a big opening night. Mm -hmm. So, there was just so much packed into this episode, and I agree with you. It kind of felt like it could have easily been a series finale. I think with the success of this show, there's no way they're going to end it here. And I'm happy for that because while it did tie up a lot of loose ends, I kind of want to see what, where it goes from here. How do you run a successful restaurant? It is now open. Okay, what happens yeah. next? Um, I want to see them kind of further explore these characters, further explore the beautiful city of Chicago, of course. And then I really do. I hope, even though this is not a story where everybody gets a happy ending, I I hope that Carmi can resolve things with Claire. So he better get her back. Right. Of course. Uh, But I want to talk about something I think was just absolutely hilarious in this episode. And I don't know if you laughed as hard as I did when this happened, but uh, the character Josh, they were looking for him throughout the entire episode. It's like, where's Josh? Where's Josh? And then Marcus is like fighting with Sydney throughout the episode and he goes to kind of like relax and he finds Josh smoking crack. Like that was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> and when Marcus is like, you're fired. And he's like, you can't fire me. And Marcus is like, I think I can. Let me go. Let me go check. And he goes and talks to Sydney and they have that little heart to heart. And then, like, she later goes to that same spot and just throws up afterwards. I'm just like, that whole little sequence of events was just absolutely hilarious. There's, yeah, I agree. There's some really great quirky moments throughout the show. It's what it's known for. It'll have, like, a really dramatic scene and then just a really great comedic moment to help, you know, the, the levity. Um, and, yeah, like, just that. It's like, what are you, are you smoking crack? And he's just smoking crack in the alley behind the restaurant. Yeah, no. And then I love that Sydney's like, yeah, yeah, you can fire him. Go ahead and fire him. Right. <laughs> you know? Also, like, we got to talk about real quick. Marcus shooting his shot with Sydney. Man, I felt so bad for him. Right. I felt so bad because Marcus is such a nice guy. And then he's just, you know, he's had this great redemption where he's in Copenhagen and there's, they're kind of foreshadowing because he's making phone calls. The only person he's FaceTiming every day is Sydney. And right. you could tell that he, he feels for her. And she's just, 
I don't even know if like her character is just asexual or not, but she just does not think about relationships like that. She's kind of how Carmi was in, in season one where she can't even compute. She's just in her box of work. Yeah. And I don't even know if she would be romantically wanting to be with anybody. Um, but I feel for Marcus cause I think he had a big crush on her. Yeah. Yeah. That, that part kind of hurt. She, I, she I, sets I, him down. She, sets she him does. Down pretty quick. And I think part of that was more so just awkwardness than anything. Because when yeah. she was, you know, when he asked her out, she felt, she looked really flustered. Uh, so I, I feel like it mostly was like an awkwardness type of thing. Um, and she was mm-hmm. not expecting it. So that's part of the reason why I want to see a season three, because I want to see if anything changes between them two. Because I really like their dynamic, even if they don't like date or anything, just I want to see them get back to like that really good friendship at least. Agreed. So, Gary, for you in this season of season two, what were some of the most memorable characters for you? Um, Mikey is always top top five character for me. I love anytime he's on screen, um, even if it's just for a brief moment. Um, I got to say, Fack is another another one I, just, I absolutely love anytime he's on screen. He He's the main comedic relief um and i don't even think he's ever intentionally doing that i feel like his character is always trying to be as genuine as possible but it's just the mannerisms the fact that he uses fact for everything um and like some of the things that just happens or the way he acts like a, a baby around sugar uh absolutely hilarious um and then um i gotta say a tie for like my favorite characters uh is going to have to be Richie and Marcus um, just because of the development that both of them received this season and the way that they interacted in that last episode with each of the main characters um, and every supporting character was just to me beautiful so those are my favorite characters for this season Um, Mikey, Thack and Richie and Marcus good choices i like all of them uh mine are going to be a lot of those ones from episode <laughs> six but definitely memorable characters for me and i think that they're all going to get you know some some emmy nom uh, nominations uh we got to have jamie lee curtis as donna berzato yes absolutely super memorable loved her character um honestly surprisingly um I think it's just his, his charisma. I don't think he's necessarily going to be nominated, but just from what I'm, I've seen him in some of the other Chicago based shows, Oliver Platt as uncle Jimmy or Cicero, like he is great. Like I, I like his character a lot. Um, just kind of like that, that kind of wealthy, uh, you know, family member that kind of comes into play, but he just has some really great quips and the writers did really well with his character. He really does. Um, also I do give a shout out to, uh, to, uh, Claire's character, um, or the, the actress that plays Claire, Molly Gordon. So we have, of course, Claire played by Molly Gordon. Definitely shout out to uh, Molly Gordon. Um, I want to see her in more stuff. I hope she comes back for season three. I hope there is a season three. I think there will be. Um, and then I gotta also, my top two characters are going to be, uh, uh, Liano Boyce as Marcus and even Moss, uh, Barak as Richie, uh, Marcus and Richie to me, like I honestly, for season one, I would have said Carmi, uh, just because I know he's, he's kind of the main character, but, um, I think in this season, the the focus has really shifted to more of the ensemble members as well. So I definitely think that Richie and, and Marcus had some of the best episodes in the show. And they were 
just really great character arcs. So yeah, Richie, Marcus, uh, Donna, and Claire, as well as uh, Uncle Jimmy, for sure. Nice choices. All right. So, my friend, um, I guess this is more of a two-parter question for you, but how do you think this season stacks up to season one? And then where do you think they kind of take it from season two when they move to season three? So I'm going to answer your questions in reverse. I feel like like season three is going to be picking up between the time of the initial open with the friends and family to the time that they do the official grand open. And I feel like that's going to probably be like the first four or five episodes. And then the rest of the season will be about how they maintain and manage not only the grand opening and, you know, after that, but also the new characters that they're going to bring in as uh, the other supporting crew. Um, I feel like that's going to be very interesting. I also feel like we're going to see a lot more of the other relationships build out. Uh, Like we didn't really talk about this much, but we feel like we're going to see a little bit more of Tina and Ibra kind of come into more of a focus to kind of see how their connection and their relationship in the restaurant in general builds out. Um, I also feel like we'll see more of how, um, Marcus and, uh, Sydney's relationship develops and, and grows, but ultimately, um, I, I really see them taking this show in a way of showing how to grow a restaurant and maintain uh, a high quality of standard. And we'll get to see a little bit more growth. I feel like we're going to see a lot, I'm sorry, a lot more growth, specifically from Carmi, um, because season one, we got to see the growth of the actual restaurant itself. Season two, we saw the growth and development of each individual character. Season three, I feel like it's going to be a very Carmi-centric season, and I'm here for it. Um, and then to answer your first question, uh, how does it stack <laughs> up with season one? Um, I feel like so I say this, and I, I feel like I'm probably going to get heat for it a little bit, but I don't think you can really compare this season two to season one. And the only fair. reason why I say that is because I feel like they went out to achieve different goals. Season yes, one absolutely. wanted us to get accustomed to these characters and to this world. Season two wanted us to really grow to love each of the characters that they're going to focus and highlight in season three. So I think both hold special place in my heart in different ways. Season two gives us a lot more character moments, gives us a lot more character interactions, whereas season one gives us a lot more funny moments, a lot more quips. Uh, You got to see a lot more uh, hijinks and practicality uh, in season one. So, uh, I would say they're about even for me, but they're in different ways. Understandable. Uh, for me, I got to go answering these in the correct order. That I <laughs> um, 
I, I got to go with, honestly, I, I definitely think that season two top season one, if we're, we're comparing the two, obviously they do feel like two completely different seasons just because season one is more about running a particular type of restaurant, whereas season two is trying to reinvent the restaurant and kind of sending everybody out once again to learn new skills. So I agree. I, I like how season two like really kind of takes a step back from just the restaurant life and more about honing the skills, more about kind of, you know, what really goes in and all the minutia of creating a restaurant from the ground up. Um, so I really enjoyed season two for that. Season one, I think I love so much just because of all the yelling and the, the quick banter and the hijinks, like you said, that happened in that kitchen. It was like a, a constant stress tornado just going everywhere in that restaurant it was season one. And as someone like myself, like, I mean, I, I had one restaurant job. I was like a, a, a bus boy it was my first job I ever had when I was 16. And I didn't really ever see what was going on in the kitchen. So I can only imagine. So it was crazy for me to see as someone who had hasn't really seen that side of things before so yeah season one was wild but i love the dialogue i thought it was so well written and obviously it got nominated for a ton of awards so of course it was gonna have to find a way to top it and i think season two absolutely did top it i don't know how you top season two i think um really just kind of continuing to build i i hope that we get to see more of these characters that we've kind of expanded onto so some of the 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 family cameos i hope we get to see more of and i hope we get to see more of will poulter's chef luca i would love to see him come back but as they expand what i think would be a really interesting thought and i just thought about this as you were kind of given where you think season three might go Mm -hmm. i would love to see more flashbacks right i think the Mm -hmm. flashbacks are great they're bread and butter they did a few of them in season one as well um, I think it would be really interesting as like, cause I agree with you. I think the first few episodes are going to really deal with the fallout of what happens at the end of season two. Right. It would be really interesting to see like, as the restaurant is open for several weeks, what, what are the flashbacks like? And we get to see more of Mikey's character yeah. of when he was first running the bear, mm. you know, like when yeah. he was still running the, the beef as what they called it when it was still just the Italian beef restaurant, it would be kind of cool to see like flashbacks of even, you know, decades prior or five or six years prior of them running that restaurant versus how they're running the new restaurant now. And that juxtaposition, I think would be really interesting to see. So I hope that they do that. I hope we get to see more of, of the crazy Berzato family because they are wild. Yeah, um, I hope we get are. to see, I hope we get to see more locales in Chicago because of course it's Chicago. It's a beautiful city yeah. with lots of great food. Um, yeah. And I just, I hope that they continue to kind of expand, you know, they've, they've done these great character journeys and I think that they still have a lot more to explore for sure. Yeah, I definitely agree. I would love to see more of Will Poulter's character in this show. And I feel like they kind of set it up to where he may not be a recurring character, but I feel like he will be someone that will pop in from time to time and be like one of those mainstays that you see, you know, show up when, you know, they need to have like a really good heartfelt moment. Mm-hmm. Also got to give a huge shout out to the co-showrunner and really the creator of the bear is uh, Christopher Storer. Uh, he's one of the primary writers, uh, co-showrunner co-show runner and he also directed like the last four or five episodes of season two so nice. he is a great show runner we, we love christopher Storer. all right my friend as we kind of wrap up our conversation here today and it has honestly been a great discussion i've loved this discussion with you my friend Same. uh how would you rank 
this season out of 10? What would you give? That is a really good question. Um, Honestly, there were no episodes that were bad to me. And if you go on IMDb, no episode is rated less than an 8.0. Personally, I will give this season a 9.5 out of 10. Okay. Okay, that is high regard, high regard. Me, you know, I don't I do not do this. I did this with Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I'm giving this a 10 out of 10. I don't give a lot of 10 out of 10s. You know no, I don't. don't. Season two of The Bear, <laughs> I'm giving a 10 out of 10. I thought it was excellent. I thought for a streaming, a direct-to-streaming show like this, for it to be on Hulu, for them to drop all the episodes like they did, like... Yeah. This is a return to form. This is what you can do with the power of streaming. This is what TV shows should be like, that it could be a show about a restaurant and it's not reality TV and it still grips you, has you on the edge of your seat. This shows how amazing writing can make anything gripping, emotional, powerful, compelling. You can care about these characters and their relationships. Um, the, the subtle moments of silence and just, like I said, hugging somebody and mm-hmm. a, a windy street in, in Copenhagen. Um, this, to me, is a top show on any streaming service right now. It's easily top five for me as of right now, currently streaming. Um, I think other networks outside of Hulu, which obviously majority stake owner is Disney, um, can really learn. Like Netflix has had a few you know, hitters for sure, Stranger Things, a lot of others. But I think a lot of shows can learn from the bear. They can learn that simplicity can be more, that really all people want is good writing and good characters. You don't need all the explosions. We're not talking about MCU, DCU right now. You can create compelling stories without all that. Um, It's possible to do both. So I hope, I honestly, I think that this show can set a standard for where we go with streaming shows. I hope so. Because honestly, we're supposedly in the golden age of TV. Um, I For hope sure. we get more shows that not necessarily are like this, but have the care taken like this show has been taken care of. And the thoughtfulness, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Good, good, good. All right, my friend, any final thoughts to our discussion today? Um, if you haven't watched The Bear, go watch it. Uh, you will enjoy it. And you can get through, honestly, you can get through season one in two days. If you just watch it straight. Season one is really quick. Season two has some longer episodes, but still worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So agreed. Um, Love the bear season one and two, super easy to watch, super bingeable because once you start watching a couple episodes, you just can't put it down. Um, Definitely highly recommend it. If you've listened to this entire episode and you haven't seen it at all, well, now you know all about it. Right. So hopefully you'll still go and watch it. So if you have listened to this episode, we thank you, but please go watch The Bear. Um, yes, and uh, definitely we're looking forward to, to season three. I know all of that is on pause right now because of the writer's strike as well as the sag after strike. So these strikes are still ongoing. So unfortunately, that does mean that it, we might have to wait a little bit longer, even when everything resumes for the writers to continue. So we might have to wait a bit, but I think it'll be worth it. And I look forward to season three. As always, I'm Skylar. And I'm Gary. And this has been the Nerdzing Podcast. We will see you guys next time. Thanks for stopping by.
everyone. This is Skylar with the Nerds Inc. Podcast, here to say thanks for listening. And if you're enjoying our weekly discussions, please leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Ask us a question. Provide your thoughts on our discussions. And we may just talk about it in a future episode. Thanks.